glad you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. I have one of those ideas straight ahead for you. And coming up later, I have an idea how you might be able to make more money in your paycheck moving forward. And you can follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. So there was a survey done like one that has happened from time to time in recent years. This one was done by creditcards.com and it tracks with something that I did as a TV reporter about five, six years ago where we randomly had people who we walked up to on the street call a credit card company to see if they could lower the interest rate on their card. And so creditcards.com did a survey of both men and women and found that if people called and asked for a lower interest rate, more than half got it in one phone call just by asking. Think about that. You just accept that whatever interest rate the credit card company tells you, that's what you're paying. But more than half of the time, you can get a lower rate. And that's the least successful people are asking their credit card company for something. Nearly three in four who asked to have an annual fee waived or lowered got it. 85% who asked got a late fee waived. 85%. I mean, you don't even have to make up some story. Say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Can you waive this fee? And 85% of the time it gets done. And also a higher credit limit if you want that. 85% who asked got a higher credit limit. Now, I discovered something recently when I requested a higher credit limit on a card, and I was told that I would have to thaw my credit before I could raise the limit, which I'd never had happen before, but with that issuer, that was their requirement. Because usually, well, actually, it's not usually, it is. When you have an existing credit card, they have the ability to check your credit even if it is frozen. But for some reason, that was a roadblock for me when I asked to have a limit raised. But overwhelmingly, people have success when they ask for these three things, higher limit, late fee waived, annual fee waived or lowered. And then more than half get a lower interest rate when they ask for it. So if you just accept that these fees are the fees, that they're the fees, uh-uh. So it's up to you. And especially if you're like, take it or leave it on a card, and you're thinking, ah, I don't want to pay this annual fee anymore. And you call them up and tell them you're going to cancel because the annual fee, that will hit pay dirt almost always with a reduction or at least a one-year elimination of that annual fee. Bryant is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Bryant. Hi, Clark. How's it going? Great, thank you. You know, my middle name's Brian. <laughs> so we've got a, a cl- almost match there. Yeah, almost. So congratulations. You graduated from school. Yes. What'd you get your degree in? Uh, architectural engineering. Wow, that sounds like a promising career path, is it? 
Yes, definitely. Buildings are always going up, so they always need somebody to keep designing the systems for them. Yeah, because you're doing the, the part that people don't ever see when they look at the pretty pictures and all that. You're designing the real behind-the-scenes guts of the building. Basically, yeah. Like So I'm going to be doing the mechanical systems. Neat. Okay. Yeah, I like it. It's cool. Great. I mean, that's a great combination. You're, you're doing something you love, and it can potentially be very lucrative. Yes, definitely. Great. Well, how can I be of service? So really, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, how can I retire faster? I know I spent a couple of uh, hours kind of browsing through your website, so I started with the whole 50-30-20 plan. So really, I'm going to be I'm staying at home for a year so I can pay off my student loans and get those out of the way. And also in that year, I'm just kind of doing the whole saving 20% in every paycheck. And I just wanted to know, you know, once I start getting those savings, what can I be doing to, you know, really making my money work for me? Oh, what a great, great setup you've given me here, because I'm so excited for you. (laughs) Because really, you start off out of school living a frugal existence and living at home so you can wipe out the student loan debt. You're on a fast track to do that. And with that money you're saving at the firm you're going to work for, will you have access to a retirement plan there? Yes. And with your mentality about wanting to save, what's the maximum percent of your pay you can save there? They'll match up to 4%. Okay, but beyond the match, do you know how much percent of your pay you can put in? I guess it would just be the, what is it, like 18000 that the IRS says? Yeah, there's a like cap that. each year. So mm-hmm. if you put in up to that, okay, that would be mm-hmm. great. And then you'll have hopefully a well-diversified series of choices about where the money goes into if the easiest of all choices because you're in your early 20s yes easiest of all choices would be to go in the target retirement fund 2055 probably okay which would carry you through your working lifetime what they do in a 2055 fund is for decades to come you're very heavily invested in in various stock markets around the world and thousands of companies and then other investments they put into the mix and then as you move through the decades it will get steadily more conservative Mm -hmm. in how they invest the money then you don't have to figure out oh should i be rebalancing should i put money in this or that or the other it's just done for you all in the one fund okay at your employer do you know yet if you have the option of a roth 401k rather than a regular traditional 401k i think i have the option for both I think so. Then I would go Roth 401k. Okay. Because especially early in your career, you're not likely to be way up on the income scale yet. Mm -hmm. And so taxes are less of an issue. And that gives you a big advantage to going after tax, which is what the Roth 401k does, instead of before Mm -hmm. tax, like the traditional 401k. Okay. So if you get up to where you pop in 18 grand, that's a, a lot of money to be saving. Mm-hmm. Do you want to save any more than that, or is, have we really exhausted your funds yet? Well, really, I don't know if I'll be able to get, you know, max out the full 18000 That's okay. I was just trying to get you that direction. I was, <laughs> I, was, I was asking kind of a sneaky kind of way how far you want to go on that path. But yeah. when, when I think about what's the easiest way for you to build your wealth, that's mm-hmm. where you start. Okay. 
So I, I just am so thrilled about your future. And when <laughs> you get to that max in that, then I mm-hmm. want you to start thinking about the Roth IRA is the second place you start stashing cash. Okay. And the more you do that stuff, the more you're going to be in a position to be able to have the freedom to do what you want to probably in about 20 years time you'd be free to live the rest of your working years however you want pursuing whatever you want to do peggy's with us on the clark howard show hi peggy how are you hi there i'm good peggy so glad to talk to you well it's great to have you here you are buying a used car right now and that is a dicey thing isn't it yes What's going on with that used car purchase? Well, I had found a used minivan on Car Gurus, and uh, minivans are not so prevalent these days in the car lot, so I've had to do an online search. And uh, I have kind of special needs. My husband's in a wheelchair, so we need to have the minivan. An SUV just won't work. It's not as roomy. So... There's nothing like a minivan for carrying a lot of people or a lot of stuff, is there? That's right. Very roomy. So you've been looking around. You found this one on Car Gurus, which is a shopping site I've talked about before. And this is being sold by a dealer or an individual, the one you found in another state? It's a used car dealer, it looks like. Okay. All right, and how far away is it across the country, or how far away is it from you, Peggy? Oh, it's about 500 miles from me. Well, you live in Idaho, right. so that's that could be just like around the corner, right? 500 miles? <laughs> it's about a 12-hour drive, I would say. Wow. Wow. Okay, so all you've seen is the listing, and you've not seen the vehicle in person. Obviously, you haven't had it checked out by a mechanic. How are you proceeding from here? Are you going to make that 12-hour drive, or are you trying to buy it short of having to go drive over there and see it? Well, so far I've talked to a salesman there and contemplated the price and whether I would drive there or have them put it on a truck and deliver it. Now he said it would be upwards of $400 for delivery, and that would probably be about as much as it would cost me to get on an airplane and fly down there and look at it too. But I'm very hesitant to buy something I haven't seen and touched. I wouldn't and even I wouldn't even begin to consider buying the van without having had it checked out. Not necessarily you seeing it, but a mechanic that you hire in that market that you pay to go check it out. There are independent diagnostic mechanics that have become very successful businesses, principally because of people who buy vehicles on eBay Motors and they'll buy elsewhere in the country. And so these mechanics go and they check out the vehicle for you. They're working for you. They give you a report back, let you know as best they can determine the condition of the vehicle. And that's the best way to avoid trouble. You going to see it is is a consideration but it's not as big a consideration as whether or not you have had it checked out by a professional yeah that's a good idea and And also my 
Go ahead. Other issue was if I did agree on a price and transact, how to safely pay and trust and receive the vehicle as expected. You mean you're worried you send the money and then no vehicle shows up and you're left dead yeah. in the water with it. Well, that's yeah. why it's a better idea for you to go and buy that one-way airline ticket if it checks out with the mechanic and yeah. then take delivery at the dealer. But one thing when you're dealing with, with someone that far away, you want to have an agreement in writing already what the purchase is in terms of price, any add-on junk fees they have. You don't want to get there and then they figure, oh, we got her. We got her right here. We're going to rip her off. We're going to charge her this fee and that fee and the other fee. Right. So you need a written sales order that is agreed to by both parties before you would get on an airplane and go get that vehicle. Yeah. And then when you go to get it, as long as they've got title right there, what you do is you authorize a wire to them and pay them right then and there with a, a wire okay. from your financial institution to theirs. Then they know okay. they have collected funds and you haven't turned over funds till you have taken delivery of the vehicle that they have an actual title available to sign over to you. Right. So one of the questions and to ask the dealer is, do you have title to this vehicle? I can't right. even tell you how many times over the years I've had calls from people who bought vehicles at used car lots and then have not been able to get the vehicles titled because the dealer did not have a title for it. Right. One thing they asked me to do is to go on their website and apply online and fill out all the information there, and they wanted my driver's license number and my Social Security number. And if I'm not pursuing credit or a loan from them, they don't need that, do they? I know of no reason why they would need your Social Security number. Some yeah. car dealers will say they're trying to comply with any money laundering laws, but if you are paying the dealer by money from your bank to theirs, then I think you're right to suspect that it's more about them wanting to try to pull your credit and sell you financing. But let's go all the way back full circle. Remember, you start with having it inspected by an independent mechanic in that market to make sure it is a-okay that'll usually cost you a hundred hundred or so dollars more or less when you've got a question for me go to clark.com slash ask and joel you have an ask clark from somebody here for me yeah clark alberto wrote and he said i got my second irs scam message on my answering machine recently they threatened legal action if i don't pay i erased it but i got another message should i report it to the police and give them the 1-800 number no, you've done the right thing here by reporting it on our Ask Clark forum so that I could address again. The IRS is not going to call you, not going to demand that you pay right now. I got one of those voicemails as well this week, and they sound so official and so menacing, and all you do is hit delete. When you get a message like that or a call like that, you do not engage anybody in conversation. If it's a message, do not call back that number. It's a fraud. All right, and Tony writes in, what's the best place to shop for a TV, and do you have any name brand recommend recommendations? 
My belief is you buy the cheapest TV you can get, regardless of brand, because the technology is moving so fast. Gosh, we were talking about that, how 4K, 8K, 3D, there's OLED. There's so many new technologies coming out, and nobody knows what's ultimately going to be the winner. So just buy the largest screen that you want at the lowest price you can get. You get the idea that TVs are very, very, very cheap right now. If you don't worry about the brand name, you worry about that you're getting a good high-def picture, just save the money. I'm asked often about brand names and TVs. Remember, something that is rapidly depreciating and quickly becoming obsolete, spend as little money as you have to to be happy today. Don't worry about tomorrow. There's a move afoot in corporate America that is tricky for you to play right. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show, where you learn ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. And you can follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. So there have been multiple reports about employers who no longer ask you what you make on your current job or what you made on prior jobs when you're applying for a job with them. In some states now, it's illegal to ask current or prior pay levels, and a number of cities have done that as well. And so it makes it a little bit strange for you when you're applying for a job because the employer usually will base an offer when they want to have you, they'll base an offer on what you're currently earning. Now, in so many cases, they're not going to know as a lot of big national employers trying to not have to deal with all these different rules everywhere on labor are just eliminating asking you that stuff anymore in local companies in areas that don't have laws in effect probably are still asking current or prior pay levels but what do you do when they don't want that information they don't collect that information and they're not allowed to how do you know what to seek as pay it is tough tough to know that and this is especially hard for women because Women historically have been reluctant to press hard on wages. And so there'll be a meaningful pay gap between women and men working the same job, sometimes obviously because of history of discrimination, but other times because men are more confident for some reason saying, I want XYZ pay package or this much per hour, and women tend to wait for the employer to make an offer instead of stating assertively, not aggressively, assertively, what they'd like to make. So now that a lot of employers don't have that base to determine, so if you were making, I don't know, $16.25 at your current job, Let's just throw it out as a number. And they want to get you as an employee. 
they're going to go above that to try to capture you as an employee. On the other hand, if they don't know, it's a clean slate and it is a true two-party negotiation for that wage. And the more you stand up for yourself in an environment where there's no base to draw a conclusion on, the more you stand up for yourself, the better you're going to do because what you get in an initial paycheck with a new employer becomes your base that affects your ongoing wages with that employer as long as you stay with them. Allison is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Allison. Hi, Clark. Well, how can I be of service to you? Well, my daughter is about to get engaged, and I have some Do you thoughts. like the boy? Yes, very okay. much. All right, good. Very thankful. But I have some stock from a company I used to work at, and I've, I've left that company, and it's just been sitting there. So I'm wondering, do I cash that stock in, or would it be better to borrow money from an equity line, which I really don't want to create another payment? You're not paying a dowry or anything, are you? Oh, no. <laughs> just teasing. So is this to pay for the wedding? The wedding. and Ah. Well, my husband thinks it's crazy, but it's really not a lot. I mean, I can tell you it's about $10,000, which in this day and time is probably, to some people, not a lot for a wedding. That's a tiny fraction of the average cost of a wedding in the country. It is. And my daughter's stressing out about it, and I said, use your resources. This is it. Okay. So... Um, the stock you have, if you were looking at buying a stock today, would you want to buy that stock that you have from the former employer? Would Is it one, hey, I really believe in that company, they're going to make a lot of money over time? Or is it one that you would say, nah, I'm not even sure why I still own it? Well, honestly, to be honest with you, I don't know that much about stocks. Okay. This is a very reputable I don't know if I can say the company, but it's a very reputable drugstore. I used to work for a company that this drugstore owned the company I work for, so everybody's heard of it. Okay. Um, I worked for the company two years. I didn't even realize. They said, do you want to contribute to the stock option? I said, sure, why not? Didn't have a clue how much I had when I left after two years. It was like $9,000. I'm like, wow. So well, it's grown to I, I have 000. the name. I have the name of the retailer. Yeah. And they're considered to be a very well-run operation, but that doesn't mean that the stock is going to necessarily do well over time. It very well might, but if the choice is between selling the stock and borrowing money against your home to pay for the wedding, if you sell the stock, you're going to have to pay tax on the gain you've had on it. Okay. So you're not going to net out the full amount because you'll have to pay tax. But right. the tax will be what's known as capital gains tax, which is mm-hmm. a more favorable tax. If you borrow on the home equity line, you've now reduced the net value of the equity in your home. So right. it, it, there's not a right answer to it. But if stock is not your normal thing and you got this stock just in one company, that would make a good argument for selling the stock and using it to pay for the wedding. Okay, I just I just don't want to create another payment. That's the reason I was going to thought about selling the stock. So I think I will do that. Do you have to sell everything you have in order to pay for you it? Mean all my savings or whatever. Yeah, all the stock. Like how much is the stock worth in total? It's about today? twelve right now. 
So, all right, so let's do it. So you're going to pay all ten grand, or are you going to pay a portion of the ten? No, that's pretty much what we're giving her, ten grand. She's all right. 20, she'll be 27, so she's an adult. She works. So do this. Sell ten grand of the stock. At okay. least keep, you'll be keeping almost 20% of what you had in it. Mm-hmm. And you can ride it in the future and ride with it up or down or sideways, whatever it does, versus selling all of it. Okay. And okay. that way you'll still have some stake in the game of this former employer and you'll have come up with the money without owing anybody anything for her wedding. Okay. And the most important thing is you like the guy. I do. I do. He's very nice and responsible, and he actually works. We've had one son-in-law that did, so I'm I'm thankful. <laughs> <laughs> you had you one who just sat around and loafed? Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> I guess it's a lot better to have one who actually gets up in the morning and goes and does something. So I hope the wedding is absolutely fantastic. Regina's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Regina. Hi, how are you? Great. Thank you, Regina. You have a daughter who's headed to college? She will be a senior this year, and I wanted to kind of get a, um, ahead of the game as far as applying for scholarships. Senior in high school or college? Yes, in, in high school. Oh, okay. You were scaring me. I was like, you know, you're a little <laughs> late to be calling me about senior no. year of college. <laughs> no, she's going to be starting her senior year in high school. And I know this is a silly question to ask of the mom of a teenager, but what does she think she wants to do for a living? She does a lot of interest in criminal justice, and she likes forensic science and things like that, and she also likes interior design. So she's not dead set on one thing just yet. And she shouldn't be. You know, there's the rare individual who at, let's say, 17 or 18 knows what he or she wants to do, and that's it. You know, over our working lifetime, most of us will do many different kinds of things. And I think we put too much pressure on our kids saying, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to (laughs) study? So in terms of colleges, is she looking at private colleges, state schools, local community college at first, We did visit a college on Monday that she's very interested in. However, it's away. It's still in state. So looking at the cost, the highest part of it is, of course, housing. So that was a bit of a concern because our oldest daughter went to a local college and went at home. Yeah, but you already said something that made me smile. When you say that the highest cost at a college is the cost of where she's going to sleep at night, that exactly. means it's a college without a terrible tuition. Right. So it's a smaller college. I was very pleased with everything that they offered. Seemed very like a very safe campus. It's a smaller um, college. It's only like two and a half hours from where we live. But again, the main concern is paying for housing. That's a big, you know. Sure. And the scholarships money. aren't going to be about that, but they will defray other expenses for her. I want to tell you about a source that has really stood the test of time, and it's called FastWeb. Is that something you've heard of yet? FastWeb? Yes, F-A-S-T-W-E-B. No, I haven't heard of that. FastWeb is the best 
clearinghouse information source in the country for what kind of obscure scholarships might be available for the specific school that she's interested in going to or an area that she thinks she might want to study or, um, you know, just for all different reasons that money may be available. And the scholarships tend to be like $1,000 here, $500 there. And there are processes to apply. Some require essays. Others just require writing about, you know, your life story that would apply for what that scholarship's about. Mm-hmm. And FastWeb is excellent. Now, I will tell you that with her coming into her senior year, you're going to start getting junk mail from scam fake scholarship services. Mm-hmm. And you need to know that those things go straight in the circular file. Oh, I have a shred bag. <laughs> You've already been getting those? We've gotten a few things. And okay. I'm like, mm, this doesn't sound legit. Right. But this one is the real deal. Okay. So well, we'll definitely have to check that out. And it and what I love about it is designed for your daughter to do the work, not you. Well, I will definitely be handing on that information to her. <laughs> so I also have at Clark.com our guide to the best ways to find college scholarships. Uh-huh. So if you go to Clark.com and you put in the search box college scholarships, you can see what we've compiled is information for her as well to do some of her own digging and her own advocacy. Oh, that's fantastic. We did tell her, you know, if you really want to go away, um, I said, you, you know, you really need to look into some scholarship opportunities because with our older daughter, we were fortunate enough not to have student loans because she did live at home. But the thing is about your daughter is you set the standard you know, that she's got to go out, Regina, and do this work herself. She earns her way into that sleepaway environment for school instead of staying home. And then she appreciates it so much more because she's done the work. Gary's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Gary. Hey, Clark, how are you? Great, thank you, Gary. How can I serve you today? Clark, my wife and I are lucky enough. We have a home in uh, the Chicago suburbs that is under contract. It's about to sell. Uh, we own the home. Uh, there's no mortgage on it. After I love that. <laughs> well, we do too. <laughs> after uh, after commissions are you know are paid and uh, taxes and what have you, we're going to have quite a, a chunk of money in our pocket. We own another home that we currently live in in Florida. And we are potentially, we're thinking about some rental properties in Florida. But before we do that, we'll take six months to a year to do some research. And we were wondering, you know, with a very large chunk of money, roughly $500,000, what could one do that's, you know, minimal risk that will earn more than 1% in a savings account? What are your recommendations? You can't do that. You have to just suffer with the 1%. Is that right? Yeah. Because anything else, other than doing one of the online savings accounts, anything else will have potential loss baked into it. Now, you sound entrepreneurial because you're thinking about rental properties. We actually have, you know, one other, and this home was for a while a rental property for us, but it was for a while our primary home. Well, you know, we're thinking about more rental properties, but here in the Florida area. So if you got to bide your time for a while... I know this is going to sound crazy, but I would put a big chunk of that money 
into the online bank, but then consider, since you have the entrepreneurial streak, doing some lending to people through Prosper and Lending Club. Okay. Have you heard of either of those? You know, I not directly. I have done some research on peer-to-peer lending and even peer-to-peer mortgages, so I'm assuming that that is what you're uh, addressing. Yeah, so in this case, you'd be doing personal loans to people, usually for terms of about three years, but the default rate is somewhere typically around 5% if you stay to people with higher credit quality. Okay. And you get really nice returns on your money. Again, you have a risk that you know 5% of the loans you make could go what they call non-performing. In other words, you don't get paid. But on the rest, you're making enough return on your money that I look at it as an extremely low-grade risk. And the, the names of those companies, again, were... Lending like? Club and Prosper. Lending Club and Prosper. Yeah, Lending Club is under a cloud right now because they had a executive that was doing some, some uh, bad things and got booted out. So people have gone from being all excited about them to being down on them. But I think there's opportunity with the part of this money that... I'm not talking about a big chunk of it, but just enough to play with that does goose that return a little bit. Now, on buying the rental properties in Florida, I have a special warning for you. I don't know if you heard me talk about this, but a lot of places where if you're looking at maybe a condominium or anything like that or a homeowner association controlled community are going through processes to ban rentals. Yes, indeed. Yeah, we're familiar with that. So it's important that you buy in a community where you're not going to have to worry about those kind of restrictions being put in place because that's brutal. If you buy a, a property that is an investment to you and you're planning to make it a rental property and then suddenly it becomes a zero income property that's a wounded duck that you have to sell, that's a bad, nasty place for you to end up in. Indeed, indeed. Well, good luck finding the rentals and. I love rental properties. I do have one rental property in Florida, and it's been extremely profitable for me. Excellent. Well, we'll keep our fingers crossed that things go well in the future. Well, it sounds like you did really well with the property in Chicago, so continued success with the real estate. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I appreciate you spending part of your day with us here on The Clark Howard Show. I want you to know that if you need consumer advice, we're here to serve you off-air for free, nine hours a day. If you go to Clark.com and go down the home screen, you'll see a section, Consumer Help and Tools. Click on Consumer Action Center, and you can get that free off-the-air advice.